what would you put in for these are some of the number one actions of practicing longevity that are going to make the biggest difference for people you know it's really it's to practice longevity it's really about routine you know because any if you're looking at probably what's the number one organ that disrupts longevity it's definitely your nervous system you know as far as the system is concerned so like you talked about you know there's a lot of mental emotional things that go into that Welcome to Heal. On today's episode, Dr. Jeffrey Drobot gives us the straightforward cutting-edge information about longevity medicine. From bio-tracking to high-density nutrient diets, supplementation, and the unavoidable reality that longevity is a practice of healthy living, not a protocol. We discuss how to measure health versus emergency metrics of disease and the essential practices that will result in aging gracefully and maximizing aliveness and vitality long into life. Visionary biological medicine physician, biohacking pioneer, and published author, Dr. Jeffrey Drobot is recognized as a leading authority on European biological medicine, electroceutical performance technology, and athletic performance. Dr. Drobot is the founder and co-founder of the Biomed Centers in Scottsdale and New England, collectively the largest, most preeminent biological marker centers in North America. Dr. Drobot has spent the last 20 years harnessing the cutting-edge science of biological medicine technology to assess and amplify human biology and physiology. He's passionate about guiding people near and far who envision being free from chronic illness and those dedicated to preventing a serious diagnosis from ever manifesting. Join us. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Marshall. This is going to be a fantastic, amazing episode. Thank you so much, Dr. Jeff Drobot, for being here with us today. The medical director, founder, uh, and doctor at the Biomed Center in Scottsdale, Arizona, which I've had the privilege of working with you guys for many, many, many years. And um, I've always experienced the work that you, how you created the Biomed Center was cutting edge from the beginning. And you were pushing the boundaries of the conversation of how do we actually test for and analyze and have data to back up what we're doing in naturopathic medicine, functional medicine, integrative medicine, in a way that I just didn't see very many clinics and clinicians doing. So I'm just excited to get to pick your brain today. Yeah, let's go. So one of the things we talked about kind of offline is you know, there's so many different things we could talk about here. We could get into lots and lots of different aspects of how to optimize health. And to some degree, we've had that conversation a bunch out in the world and also here on this podcast. So I'd love to get more specific into longevity medicine, because I think this is a pretty hot topic right now. And I also think there's a lot of buzz and hype and confusion and what counts and what doesn't. And like, you know, where do we go in here? And and it seems like you've got your thumb on the pulse of some of the more kind of what's new and the latest and greatest around longevity medicine. So what would be like the top place you'd like to start in that conversation? Well, probably the assessment because, you know, still for longevity medicine, which was integrative medicine 20 years ago, it's still like, we're going to try to take some vitamins and see what happens. Then everybody, by the time they're done, ends up taking 
20 different kinds of vitamins. And then usually by your peers, somebody will say you're crazy. And now they'd say you're cool, right? 20 years later, they'd say, oh, you're cutting edge. But back then, they'd say, what do you, like, you can't eat pasta? And you'd be like, no, I'm gluten-free. Now, like I said, that narrative ends up being like, whoa, you are really advanced. And back then, they'd say, like, I can't hang out with you because you can't do anything, right? Like, can't drink dairy, can't eat cheese. You can't, uh, you can't, you got these weird uh, air purifiers in your house. Um, why can't you have a plastic water bottle? And so we end up like in longevity, we're, we're, we're on that next level of starting this narrative again, which is like, why do you have a red light on your face every day? Like, why is this panel in your bedroom? Um, why are you sitting naked in the sun? Like, why do you, are you tracking what your sleep ends up doing? Like, why don't you just sleep? And so we're back in that narrative of too many things are happening um, without an understanding of what you're actually doing. Right. And then in 20 years again, it'll be cool. Right. Yep. And you'll be like, wow, you're you really ahead of your time. But, you know, it was the boy in the bubble again, and now it's biohacking. Yeah. And that's biohacking. Like people say, oh, this is like biohacking has been, you know, it's brand new. And I'm like, no, like you just called the biohacking. Nothing was new here. Like they're making red lights like 50 years ago. We were like, this is new. It's just funny. They're like, ozone's new. I'm like, ozone's is hundred. Like, it's it's very old, right? All this stuff is very old. I'm glad it's new to you. But like, when I was traveling to Europe 20 years ago, they were like, this is a uh, stupid simple. Like, you guys should just do this. And then we just waited before Instagram came out so we could say it was cool. And they're like, yeah, I told you that a long time ago. Um, when we're talking about longevity, it's still a practice right now. It's not a process. Right. We're into a practice of everybody just again saying, I'm going to try this. And without actually knowing what systems you're working on, without actually having a plan, it's, you know, it's like going to the gym and you're just kind of looking at this sea of machines and you're like, I'm going to do five on each one. And then I do that. And I'd be probably disappointed in a month when I came back and said, yeah, I think something happened, but I'm not sure what happened. Right? I'm not sure what effect I wanted to do. I just did these leg things for five times. I pulled this bar down five times. I did these curls five times. And then overall, you know, physiology might have, it will respond some way, but it's always better when you get an assessment first and a plan, right? You're going to get this workout plan, just like you're going to get a dietary plan. Like you go to the health food store, Whole Foods, you eat like one of everything that's organic. <laughs> yeah. And you yeah. say like, I think I got all my vitamins and minerals. And you're like, eh. Yeah, I think something probably happened, but I'm not sure if it was directed. So using assessments, of course, to see where you're wanting to start, like a fitness test, you know, maybe a food sensitivity test. Like we understand these metrics of like, find out what you're supposed to do and what you don't need to do. And then it, it you get a lot better result, right? It doesn't mean that it's not going to be bad. So, you know, doing instead of longevity and just doing it, like seeing maybe do a biological age test, you know, see what's happening. I like doing nervous system tests, but usually what I'll incorporate, it's called age accounting where, you know, you get a, a bottom line, which is your biological age, which is what your cells age is comparatively to how many birthdays you've had, your chronological age. So you're saying, you know, I'm, I'm 48, right? I want my cells to be 45. So that I still have money to burn. I don't want my cells to be 55 and I'm 48 because it means I'm not managing 
you know, the rate that my cells are aging. And if I do that for decades, I'm probably going to end up with a problem because my cells are doing more work than they should be and they look older than they actually are. And so we're doing biological age tests and that's the bottom line of it. And then we want to do some of the other health measurements that we're supposed to do, which includes blood work, food sensitivity testing, environmental pollutant testing, hormone um, values and levels over 24 hours. And we're looking and seeing what credits and debits we have. And then we actually get to see, right? This takes three weeks before we spend tens of thousands of dollars and a bunch of hours doing a bunch of things that we think are working. Um, I always like to do my little process to see what, like where should we spend our money and time? Then when we look at that, then finally we have a building block of saying, how do we formulate a plan and then what treatments or interventions are we supposed to do to just make that bottom line less? If it's a bunch of food sensitivities and you know, and I know, you know, that sometimes that testing, it's, it's mercurial, right? Yeah. If you have inflammation in your digestive tract, you come up with 50 food sensitivities. It doesn't mean you can't eat anything. It means you got to go fix the organ that's causing the irritation, which ends up being the digestive tract, which could end up going back into the nervous system, causing the digestive tract to break down. So when you do a, a battery of tests, like your taxes and your accountant says, this is how much money you have. And you're like, well, how did I get to that? And then they pull out the QuickBooks and they go through a bunch of departments. That's what we need to start doing with our health. So we're not just practicing on things and doing things that, again, may affect biochemistry in a disadvantageous way. And then at the end of it, we're like, but I thought I was doing something so healthy. And you're like, yeah, well, you were doing something like it might have looked healthy, um, but it was taxing. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't what your body needed to at the time. And bodies are beautiful and very unique. And, you know, they send a lot of messages and they're designed to go until they're not going. So nowadays with technology, like we have the ability to, to really look at that stuff and finalize a really good plan. That will change year after year as you get older, right? Because you know you know what happens with food sensitivities. People avoid that and they only and eat those shifts. five foods. So yep. yeah, yeah we rotate around. our diet. Yep. Yeah, that's what the environment used to do for us. It just used to do rotations. And now like we just go and buy mandarin oranges every single day. So yeah, things will change. Can. But yeah. then we get into some really great therapies to really move the needle. But assessments tell us where we're at and then we have to do the plan. And then again, technology allows us to um, viciously be effective. Whereas so lifestyle, got... good. Go. Yeah. And before we get into therapies, which we'll, we'll make sure we have some of that conversation, I've got a couple of questions that came up inside of what you shared. One is, okay, assessing the bio age. I'm curious what, what you look at, like where, what kinds of things you would actually go look for in order to assess bioage. And then I have this like retort of the question that you and I both have heard lots of times is, yeah, but I did my blood test and everything came back normal. So I mean, where the problem do is when you're doing yeah. those? So let's we'll, we'll just take the second question first, right? Yeah. So when we're saying, oh, I did my blood work and it's like, okay, blood work is only 10 pints of you, very, very small compartment. And it's heavily monitored so that you don't die. So like every other biochemistry around you. So if, you know, I'm Canadian, that's only five liters, which isn't a lot of weight. So if we're going to measure health just based on that small measurement in time and 
space and looking at it and saying that's like taking a big like department store and saying housewares looks good so the department so store everything is probably else really must be fine yeah everything else must be perfect and then you're like no it's not and i think we're learning in medicine like because everybody knows that narrative like i'm not feeling good but my blood work is normal or you know my blood work was perfect last year but i have stage four this year it's like look it's it's an emergency measure it's not designed as a health measure it isn't like we use it but it's a really cheap crappy way to measure one if you're doing your blood work and you're looking at one moment in time in 365 days and that's what you're willing to do then i want you to take a picture of your bank account today and then just go and spend and do whatever you want to and then March 16th next or May 16th next year, we'll take a look at your bank account and you'll still tell me it's okay. And I'll be like, that is a bad way to look at it because we didn't look at spending accounts. When we do other assessments, like looking at cells, we get to see the environment, not just the blood, because again, your body works really hard off offline to keep that blood parameter controlled because if it isn't, you're in an emergency medicine situation. It is not a health situation. It's an emergency medicine situation that's why we do it it's a screen but it's not a health measure so people that say that <clears throat> it's um it's very flawed thinking because there's not supposed to be anything wrong in your blood right there can be a lot of things wrong elsewhere yeah i can be very intoxicated and do my standard blood work and it'll look great it'll look normal that's okay i can do that mm -hmm. um it's designed with yeah. very like checks and balances so if that's what you're using that's why we're in a problem in medicine because it's not a great measure in so much that we've said in medical journals in the past stop doing it because people are getting a false sense of security that they don't have to do anything because all we're doing is measuring blood work to look at cholesterol levels and that's all we used it for just did a lipid panel yeah. and even in medicine we're taught now don't even do it right oh who needs to do it the patient doesn't have any complaints um, why do we do it? And then patients are like, well, if you're not going to check anything, I'm not even going to come for a physical. And that's where we're in the medicine. So right. when we're looking at that fluid compartment, we have to understand how small it is and how tightly controlled it is and understand that there's a lot of things in your body that will be donated first to keep that blood parameters normal because that's the way we're designed to be. Absolutely. It doesn't mean good. That means that you're not in an emergency medical situation. That's it. Yep. Right. It's all you so then what are some of your favorite health metrics? Like how do you, you know, in the bio age is one of the things you talked about. Can you get more specific of like what some of the ways you measure that? So if we're looking for longevity, we have to go past the blood. Now I just said, I look at blood because we look at a lot of blood parameters because that's an immediate look at things. Right. But that's, that's again, one point. small presenting step. And then you have to look at what uh, what is the rest of the metrics that are under that. And we'll see like, hey, they don't look good. So even doing like if we're talking longevity and again, when I'm talking longevity, I'm just going to break it down as saying, how do we keep cells in the body healthy as we can, regenerating and doing younger things? Because generally, besides behavior, when you do younger things, you'll probably regenerate and live longer. Young people do dumb things, but that's only from a behavioral standpoint. Young cells do amazing things, as we all know, because they repair and regenerate faster. So it's probably good to look at things like telomere length, because we're 
built again. We have a certain amount that we're going to go ahead and break down. So we want to make sure we look at cell membrane function, DNA methylation to get that biological age, telomere length to make sure our telomeres are still nice and long so that they can shorten up, vitamin mineral levels, because now I think we're smart enough to know, again, like this gluten conversation 20 years ago, that if you have lots of good vitamins and minerals in your body, it's better than if you don't. I don't think we have to have that argument anymore, right? I think we're okay. Now, again, it's not about chugging supplements because again, chugging pills, it's a biochemistry experiment. You wanna know what's low so that you can just be in the upper 70th percentile. Then of course you wanna limit the amount of inflammation in organs. And we've always heard like digestive tracts, that's the biggest organ that you have. That's where you have 80% of your immune system. So probably look at that one and make sure that it's not doing more work than it needs to. And then nervous system studies to make sure that they uh, like, again, 10, 15 years ago, didn't used to be such a big thing because we just had this word stress and we had no way to measure it. And now with like the implementation of, um, technology and the fact that we're doing this online, right? I used to have to travel and this didn't used to be um, available. And of course we can all dispute whether like we're getting radiated or not, but that's a funny discussion. Cause I don't think we can doubt that. Like there's just things that like, look, our nervous systems are under more work, right? Yeah. I can watch that. Yeah. I can look at my Coleco vision from when I was a kid versus when my kid's playing on Xbox and I understand the amount of stimulation is far different. Oh, yeah. So we just said, Nervous systems are the same. So again, we're looking and seeing what's burning out faster than it needs to. How much do I have resource-wise to contribute to that burn rate? And then the net net of it all ends up being, how am I looking this year? Because the worst, um, we'll say, the most interesting contributor to death is aging, right? Chronic disease, the older you get, the more chronic disease you'll get. That's the number one marker. And I mean, even though that's funny to say, it's absolutely true. We know that, right? Older people or people that are young that are doing things that make them older tend to get sick. We know that in mammal studies, right? We can look at that. We don't do that to our dogs because we would be thrown in jail if we fed our dogs a bunch of macaroni and we're just keeping them up all night. <laughs> that's called abuse, but we do it to our bodies. So then we understand that just because we can wake up in the morning, if we, if we do that for 365 days for years and never look at it, we never get number one an education on maybe that's not what we should do. And then we're never what we're we're never sure what we're supposed to do to maybe undo some of that. Because I like to grind, right? I like to do a million different businesses, do things all the time, but I have to be responsible to my physiology so that I can see like. I don't want to be that guy that just says, yeah, he did a lot of things, but he died at 55. It's silly, but I can look and I can see on my nervous system, I'm going too much. So I'm responsible for figuring out how to undo what I'm doing. Right? Mm -hmm. Can't blame um, environment anymore, which again, you, you and I have heard for years, right? Well, well, well do something about it because you have to live in it unless you're going to move to the mountains and drop your cell phone. Like, I don't see anybody doing that. I just see them complaining. Like, yeah. But it's like, uh, we're still doing it. So I think- So what can we actually we can do in order to be responsible for it? Yeah, yeah. I think we have to, like, if we're going to be educated on what we're doing and we're trying to be so fancy, then at least, like, let's have a starting point and be educating on what we need to do. 
Yeah. Right. Cause then we don't have these funny conversations. Cause you and I both know, then you go, you do something to yourself and you go to your, you know, allopathic, which is not a bad thing or conventional medicine. And they're like, what the hell are you doing? And that's a valid question. Right. Cause you're like, what the hell? Now I can be like, what the hell are you doing taking 10 medications? Like you're 32 years old. And that's a valid question too. So in medicine, I don't think anybody has to say one medical system is better than the other because they're all really bad, right? And in so much that like during the last problem that we had for two years, people started to just do a bunch of research on their health and realize like in medicine, we are, we're behind and we're clueless. So they started to do things for themselves. Back in my, you know, when we went to school, you couldn't just go online and get a food sensitivity test. Like that was, that didn't happen. Not so option. you're seeing the yeah. problem. Yeah, you're seeing the public arming themselves with information, which is always a positive and negative thing, because you end up like not exactly knowing with expertise what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Well, in some of the the tests, I mean, I don't want to get, I always have a hard time knowing like with so many different like food sensitivity tests or so many different gut microbiome assessments that are out there. There's a lot where I have a lot of questions about the quality of like well, who's this lab and how do they monitor it and how do they test it? And so they get, we get into those weeds too. So it's it's really helpful to be working with somebody who can help provide some perspective on you know how to interpret and what to do with the results that you get back, you know, I think. Yeah, it's it's still a quality of information. Yeah. Right, like you, the information's free if you want it and information's yeah. cheap if you want it, but quality information is still quality information. So you can get a lot of information from different sources. Um, but people will say, well, this one's cheaper. And, and again, it's like my grandpa used to tell me you get what you pay for. So I don't think that's changed. So I think people understand like that's not going away. Like you either like you either going to do it yourself and maybe it's right or you're going to do it the right way. And it's right. It's pretty yeah. simple. Yeah. So I have a question for you that I've I've munched on this one and sharing with my clients on a regular basis, which is what is aging physiologically? Because like we have a tendency to be like, oh, well, I'm just getting old. And it becomes like that explains something. <laughs> or this is normal because I'm X age. But really, right. though, there's a physiology behind all of that. So like, what is aging? Yeah, I mean, you have a, if you can imagine you have a certain amount of seeds in your garden. And if Every time, like always the, the first generation always looks good. And then you keep stripping that, which is aging, right? The next year you take another seed. And then depending on how great you kept that soil, how much mineral and vitamin, and farmers know this, right? They spend billions of dollars on not aging their field. Now they can't even do that anymore because they can't rest the field. But if we just look at aging, it's basically how many duplications can you make of the same thing and try to retain it to be as great as possible. You know, and that's that's a hard thing because the environment is going to tax it, right? Time is going to tax it. And so when you're looking at those two things, it's basically what you have, you have time, which again, people say, well, we should have enough DNA, we'll say replications, or we should be able to do this for 120 years. Right? That should just be normal lifespan, right? 120 years, we have the biological capacity to make that many copies. 
And again, we're trying to make the best possible copy because we've got to live for that. It takes seven years to turn all the cells over in the body, right? So some are old, some are young, some turn over faster. But at the end, we have this one seed that we're trying to plant again and again and again. We're trying to make sure that that plant or crop still looks good. And in order to do that, sometimes we got to add things to the soil, but we make sure we take care of that seed. The other people that are really good at it are dog breeders because they know that their money is based on offspring, not the present. They yeah. sell on offspring. They sell things they don't even have yet. And so they make sure that they go ahead and feed those dogs. Those dogs are pampered and taken care of and they make sure bloodlines look good and they make sure that that is going to be a good product. And so aging is inevitable, but the amount that you age and the way you age is completely malleable. And we know that from Blue Zone, right? We know this from all these little environmental studies. These people live in these small places. They smoke and drink and just have fun. And they live to be 100, 100 and some years old. And then we're like, what the hell? And it's like, well, you know, again, they, they kind of did to their seed and field what you should do, right? They rested it. They gave it good nutrition. And they were able to go decade after decade without changing too much of the pace that that was aging. Because remember, it's designed to age at this pace, which again, when I was younger, you know, we still had like lots of 85, 90 year olds walking around that were still doing lots of crap, right? And I didn't go to school with anybody's mom that had breast cancer, right? And I did not go to school with 25 kids that took Ritalin. I didn't have any of these things. So we'll have to blame some of that on the environment because something obviously changed the soil because these seeds grow a little bit different now and chronic disease and things like cancer. I mean, those used to be different. So at the end of the day, aging is a normal process, but we end up turning it into an accelerated process. So if we can just keep the same seed, nurture it, plant it in a different field, then it's still the same product. Sooner or later, that seed runs out of the ability. Right. Because it's just like it'll get to its time. Right. Before it just and then you'll have to go to a different line. But we have hundreds of trillions of cells. We have lots of stem cells that want to see it happen. We have lots of copies of those cells. But depending on what the environment inside our bodies look like, we're going to put out a quality or not quality of the next generation of cells. And so it's our job. To like do that. Europeans are smart. That's why they always implemented detoxing and cleansing because they understood if I clean this soil up and once in a while, the next generation of cells is better. And we understand that in medicine. They and also take little, six weeks off every way. summer. Yeah, take six weeks. I mean, they used to just do fasting. Yeah. You know, they used to do all these cleansing and fasting. And we're like, now, like I said, that used to be crazy. Now it's real cool. I like, go mm -hmm. jump in an ice tub. They used to be called a sits bath. Remember in school when we used to learn that? Yeah. People would be like, oh, I couldn't possibly dump my ass in a cold tub. And you're like, wait a minute, you're you're paying 6,000 bucks right now to dump your whole body in that cold tub. Like we learned that in day one and it was like not really cool. It was, it was not like, sexy oh, at all. <laughs> oh, now it is. So it's, yeah. um again, it's very, like these are very linear things. Do you think that the advancements that we've made in medicine are now being able to look and see which department is having a harder time 
just doing that natural process of aging. And then again, we can look at the actual cell and say, how are you doing guy? And if he says, mm, like you are expending what I have to give and people again have different rates that they can take, then we also have ways to reverse that process to come back to where the cell has a much healthier rate of aging than an accelerated rate. So let's talk about that. Like what are some of the top like, what are you seeing in the, the, I know kind of the new is old, but what are you seeing as some of the, like the fresh cutting edge things that are, are making a difference for that age reversal? So when we're looking at just biological age, so I, I like my thing is you either practice longevity or pay for longevity, but in the end, you'll probably do a little bit of both, right? Because a lot of times the environment is accelerating what you can practice to undo. Like not everybody can just turn their Wi-Fi off at 6 p.m., do some yoga and go to sleep, right? And then wake up by the sun cycles. Like, oh no, it doesn't exist. I don't have a garden with a chicken coop in my backyard. So I can't like eat off my land. So, I mean, we're looking at these things saying, all right, normal physiology is obviously undergoing a little bit more work. But when we have the lifestyle practice, which is good, right? I see that in biohacking. It's what I call biohacking now. It used to be called just biological medicine. Or like European medicine used to be biohacking, which was based on vanity and like longevity. That's what that's what Europeans used to spend time on, right? They do these things for vanity and longevity. And then, like I said, they smoke and drink wine and they're like live for a long time because they laugh and they have a family community. So then we start to get into, okay, we got to do this lifestyle stuff, right? Everybody hates it. Go to bed at the same time, get rid of your job and your partner because they're stressing you out. Like there's so many narratives now. Um, spend three hours a day in transdental meditation so that we can like it used it doesn't have to be that high hard again because when I go to those blue zones, I'm gonna plug my computer in. I don't see those people doing anything, right? I see them like just having a good time with their family, and they're doing riding their bike, and like they're just laughing. Like in the end, that's what they're doing. And then there's the pay for longevity. So the things that I've seen that honestly move biological age the most are hyperbaric treatments, um, blood cleansing with ozone and oxygenation, and um, cell therapies like stem cells and V-cell therapies. I wish there was more, but I don't see it. And again, I'm like, if I don't see it, I can't believe it. Like I can believe I'm looking at these supplements, like, you know, you get it too. You get a bunch of advertisements on these supplements and they come through and they're like, this is the best thing. And it might be doing something. I mean, I just, I'm just a, a sucker for like science and testing and not like only science. Cause I'll go way off, I'm way sideways trying to figure something out. And you've seen my place. I have more machines than anybody. Like I'm going to, I'm going to try a bunch of things, but if it doesn't do what it says it's going to do, I'm just going to say, I don't see it. Maybe yeah. that doesn't happen in another population, but um, I have a pretty varied population. So if I don't see it, yeah. I have a hard time believing that like you saw it somehow. Yeah. It might've done that to a mouse, but I didn't see it do it to human physiology. So when I find dose comes up in that conversation all the time, because they'll often like, it depends on what kind of research they're using. But like, I, I saw kind of an infomercial video that came through social media. One of my clients sent it to me and he said, this, this is exactly how I'm feeling. And they had like a 45 minute lead up of all of the like, is your life like this? Are you dealing with brain fog? You're noticing you don't have the energy you used to. Like they did that whole lead up. 
And then they they had a product in a bottle for sale. That was the end conclusion. But what was interesting right. is the person that was running the infomercial was a celebrity and he had a team of functional and naturopathic doctors he was working with. And I caught one line in the whole thing where they said, yeah, and we had him taking these handfuls of supplements three and four times a day. And he turned his health around because he did complete lifestyle change, exercise change, yeah. sleep change, hormone change. He took a huge, you know, the, the dose was there. And then the implication is if you take our product one pill twice a day, you're going to get the same results. And I'm like, that's like not even close to the same comparison. So I, I notice out there around some of the like longevity in a bottle, you know, you can take two pills or three pills or four pills of this thing. It's like, it just, the numbers don't add up. Even if the ingredients have the research where they've seen that those ingredients can move a number. I always ask the question, what were the dosages they were doing in any such study? And they're often three, four, five times higher than what most people would think of to take on a regular basis. I mean, I, I always struggle with like one-time measurements of things because it's like, Look, I have a bunch of measurements of things. And in the end, they're saying, like you said, your your patients will say longevity. And I'll be like, what does that mean? Right? I'll increase my longevity. I'm like, what is that? Like, what are you doing here? Well, it increased my energy levels. And I'm like, caffeine, like Adderall increases your energy levels. Like, <laughs> yeah. what, what, what's the metric that we're measuring? Because if we're like measuring like natural kind of physiology or biology, and it's not all science, but a lot of it is, it's like, look, like, that's probably not it. You're you're saying it's something's happening, but that's like again. I'm saying alcohol makes you relax. Okay, well that's what it does, right? Like I, I'll put that in a supplement. It's called a wine bottle. You just take it, and then that's a sedative. And sooner or later, somebody will say, "Oh look, that made me unhealthy." It's like, yeah, but you just said what it is. So we're saying longevity. We're saying what does a cell actually look like, right? Because that's like if we cut our heads off and just got rid of our brains and said, like from the neck down. How is this thing designed to function, right? And then I'll pop the head back on and that head's always going to be a problem because it's always going to either drive it too much or it's going to be depressed about it. But in the end, if we just looked at physiology from the neck down, we could really like look at all these organs we can do with full body MRIs and we could say nothing's there. And then we can look and look at cells and we can say they look great. And so we have that ability. Can you do that with one supplement? I haven't seen it. Yeah, I just I just haven't I haven't seen any of it. And so I have to work, you know, pretty intelligently that we can move those numbers. And then again, you got to realize it's an investment. So the next year, people take stocks, right? I put it in there and I watch it grow. And that's really what longevity is. It's not going to happen in a month. Like you do something right. You, like I said, either practice or pay for it. And then the next year, when you look at it, it's in a better shape. And where does that pay dividends? For decades to come, because chronic diseases get less, your ability to get a chronic disease is less, you age better. And then by the time you're 60, 70, 80, life is a lot easier, right? At 20, what the hell are we talking about? I see these 20 year olds talking about longevity. And I'm like, what are you, what are you even talking about? Like what, why are you doing that to your life to do all these things? And they'll say to develop good habits. And I said, like, you should probably just get a job, right? That's probably the best habit that you can get. It's not bad habits to get, but sometimes you shouldn't mess with physiology 
like before you should at 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. You know, that's when we want to start to practice these things. And again, it's just building retirement savings plans, right? Like sooner or later, you're going to need some resources. And will it be there at the time or won't it be there at the time? And it's hard, as you know, to, to base that on a supplement because like there's a lot of things that happen. Yeah. You know, like an apple a day doesn't keep the doctor away. <laughs> so can I ask you a couple specifics of things that have, oh. I've seen come up? Um particularly around uh, glutathione or NADH therapy, because those are two of the hot button topics. And I I think you've got some understanding around that. I mean, it's still like when I learned 15 years ago that glutathione can't get absorbed or NAD can't get absorbed um, through the digestive tract, I don't know how that went away. So it's like same conversation. I mean, it was like, but now again in marketing, we're like, well, this is the best way to do it. Now we do a lot of nebulized glutathione. We do a lot of injectable NAD. We do a lot of IV NAD. And then people will say, well, this, you know, look at these NAD tasks. So, I mean, it's still hard for me to believe that for sure we can't get the same dosing. I think, I I hope everybody agrees on that, right? Yeah. And they're like, just take the precursors of NAD. And I'm like, uh Maybe you should just, again, I measure levels. So like, trust me, I've tried it, right? I'll just measure levels. And it's just like, take this. Let's see if this works. And in the end, I always defer back to like, look, there's some things that are just better in some forms. Yep. Right. That's just, that's what it ends up being. It's more of a medication. Like there's a reason why it's not in a lot of food um, because it can't be absorbed like that. So just take it like that, right? That's okay. Right. But to say that, we can do these stacks and this supplement actually does that. I mean, biology and physiology and science, like said, when I, when we went to school or when I went to school 25 years ago, you can't do it. Nothing has changed, right? Like sometimes we just can't do it. Like taking an oral B vitamin versus a B vitamin shot. is not even close, right? Just can't be close. Just like, we know it with hormones. We know it with a lot of things. Like it just doesn't exist. Now, the more invasive you get, that's called medicine. And so that's what you, again, we come back to this expertise. The reason why it doesn't work is because if you could do everything orally and it had that much of effect, humans would have been dead a long time ago because everybody puts a bunch of things in their mouth, especially as a kid. And if you had that great of absorption of everything, we would die. That's why we have, you know, 80% of our immune systems lining that because that is an entry into an internal part and it gets chopped up and degraded very quickly. You know, the stomach will go ahead and make sure you eat that poisonous mushroom. I can try to burn the shit out of that thing before it gets down there so that it doesn't. So then we somehow mistake that in supplementation and say, Oh, just kidding. It gets absorbed so well. And we saw it from the same probiotics. You know, we've had this conversation a million different times and in the industry, it's like the digestive tract, is set up to degrade things so they're not poisonous so understand that in that degradation process i can't put things on my stove and boil them and i'll know that in chemistry that there will be nothing left okay well guess what happens when you put it through your stomach there's just some things that aren't meant to survive going through that environment Mm -hmm. and unless you're doing it rectally or injectably or sometimes nebulized nasally it's not going to be there and that's yep. okay. You just yep. say that, right? Yep. Yep. 
Yeah. And you know, that's not across the board with all supplements, but it is always a constant rate limiting step that we're dealing with is the absorption and capacity of the digestive tract, whether the, and especially because for a lot of people, their gut health is one of the things that we're working on the most. So we have challenges there to work with at the same time. I don't think anything's perfect. And you got to remember in supplements, if you just go to Whole Foods and look at them, there's a billion bottles, right? So you got to understand, like, again, it comes to expertise, you're looking at a billion different variations. And Europe just says, screw you. I'm going to put these all behind a pharmacy counter so that you guys can't practice on yourselves. Because again, in socialized and communist governments, the government pays for medicine. So if you're practicing, doesn't matter with a million supplements and screwing your body up, they still got to pay for it. So again, things that can get absorbed will get absorbed. Things that need different roots. That's what life is, right? Yep. Yep. So what would you say are some of your like, you know, if, if someone's like, all right, I'm interested in this conversation and one, I, what are the first two or three things that I should get assessed? Biological age, because if you just got biological age and it's not perfect yet, but it's pretty interesting. You know, if you got biological age testing done and true age is probably like, it's a, it's a lead, it's a leader, you know, and you could do it yourself. Um, if you got that done and you saw your cells and, and again, you got to remember people get disappointed in their values for some reason, thinking they're going to get a gold star on their first time. Like life is taxing, right? And if even if you've done great things, you have to realize the environment is always doing more to you, even than it was 10 years ago. So don't get your heart broken if you don't like score well. The first test is not important. The second test is, right? So you'll make some modifications. It'll at least draw some attention to the fact that your burn rate might be a little high. And then you can go in. Like I said, I like to take it then down a level and do some age accounting and look at micronutrient panels and gut health and food sensitivity panels and hormone panels. And I like to then environmental pollutants. And I like to see what are the holes in the bucket that might've led to that number. Maybe I can like move some of these foods down. Maybe I'll move some of these vitamins that I'm deficient up. Maybe I'll look at my environmental or pollutants toxicity and say like, where the hell am I getting all that? I'll throw out a few cosmetics and things. And the uh, you're taking taxes down on your mm -hmm. body and you're adding resources. That's all this is. There's no magic to it. And then the next test you'll look at and you'll be like, huh, there it is. No different than your bank account. You said, I'm going to watch my spending and I'm going to go work a couple more jobs. All right. The next time you look at your bank account in six months, it should look better, right? If that's all you did. And Physiology is kind of that simple. We have made it into a multi-billion dollar industry with confusion and like Instagram influencers. Mm -hmm. But there's still like labs, like there's still innovative companies that are pulling their hair, hair out saying, I've got the answer for you. You just got to test it instead yeah. of jumping to the solution. See what the problem is. And then it works out great. What do you think about... Uh like genetic testing for nutrigenomics. Some of the companies that have come out and they're doing some specific like gene activity testing and coming up with the kind of dialed in protocols from there. I think it's, I think it's interesting. It's kind of an offshoot of like the human genome project. And then it's, 
you know, there's always going to be that. I don't like when they extend it to like, this is what exercise you should do. Like they, genetics is not great, right? We know like the environment probably plays a hell of a lot more role. I think everybody can say that now because we spent, we spent a bunch of money on the human genome project to basically kind of abandon it as a, like as a, as an answer solution. Yeah. 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 Because we're all pretty similar. So when they're saying, well, you don't metabolize glutathione well, and you'll be a poor detoxifier. Okay. Like that's true. Um, or you're a poor methylator, right? We got those things, but then the answer is like, okay, you take a like five cent methyl factors. Like, I, I mean, it's hard for me to do that. And, and cause you do it once, right? Like your yep. genetics aren't going to change, right? Yep. Like you do it once and is it neat? Yeah. Like you're a poor metabolizer of alcohol. It's like, oh, okay, I get it. Now there's a lot more to it than that. So I don't want to poo poo it, Yeah. but to live my life, like going through and I hate the genetic excuse. I think most people in, like now, and they hate that. That's like saying I'm older. My dad had it. It's like your grandpa didn't. So how, how like, but everybody's going to use that, right? We well, use and we that tend to, to pick that pieces of evidence that fit the narrative that we want to have. And then we ignore the other pieces of evidence. It's not like it's a comprehensive review, you know, and, and there yeah. are some leanings. I mean, I've had some people come through my practice that out of 25 family members, 10 of them have autoimmune disease. That's interesting, right? Like there's a strong, there's strong something going on there. But then there's the internal environment and the external environment, which we know that our internal landscape of our conversations about ourselves, our sense of love, our sense of attachment, abandonment, you know, there's so many of those nuances, how that impacts our nervous system and our neurology, which then and thus impacts our health. So that can be part of what's inherited is the family environment sometimes is a contributing factor that created also more triggers for the physiologic environment that, that yeah. kicks off. Part because you like now with genetic studies, like unless there's an inborn error in genes, like we're humans are pretty old. So like if there was a real big problem with your genetics, like you probably would have bred yourself out of it by now. Like it's really like it's not hard to figure out. Like we you can go and look at Pottinger's cats and you can see like we if we go ahead and do this for an extended period of time, it doesn't matter what your genes are. I'll come back to that dog breeder again and they'll say like genes are a big deal and i want to make sure i don't mix up these genes now all of our genes are mixed up now but it's hard because again genetics loads the gun environment pulls a trigger like it still always is the case right i've seen mm -hmm. lots of great athletes that like are genetic freaks that don't do the work and they're not the best players right but i've lots of seen lots of people not do work and have great genetics and end up getting opportunities so genes are like Again, it's kind of like looking at that blood work to me, I guess, unless there's a real medical genetic problem, which there can be, but genes are like, have a bunch of different ways that they can express themselves based on the information you're going to give the gene. And so what information are you going to give the gene? Like, if you're going to give it crap information, yeah, I don't think anybody has great genetics that can overcome crap information uh, time after time. I don't think that's going to happen. And again, Go back to like veterinary medicine and they'll tell you that. Take your dog in and they'll be like, you're wrecking your dog. You could go to Petland and get some exotic fish and they'll tell you only feed it exotic pet food or exotic fish food. Mm -hmm. If you don't, like doesn't matter how sweet those genes were. Yeah. You mess it up. So yeah. it's a hard conversation because 
I find it more of an excuse than an advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I was just so like, then oh, the... my dad had heart disease. So yeah. what matters? My dad had heart disease. So I'm destined. It's like, huh. <laughs> yeah. I guess you are. Yeah. So then on the other side of the, we've talked about top mo- motivational pieces for assessment. What would you put in for like, these are some of the number one actions of practicing longevity that are going to make the biggest difference for people. You know, it's really, it's um to practice longevity. It's really about routine, you know, because any, if you're looking at probably what's the number one organ that disrupts longevity, it's definitely your nervous system, you know, as far as the system is concerned. So like you talked about, you know, there's a lot of mental, emotional things that go into that. Um, we know that, again, mammals that are the most comfortable <laughs> age the least, right? Because cortisol and adrenaline and like fight or flight sympathetic nervous systems are not built for longevity. They're built for survival. It's very easy to figure that out. You know, if you have more parasympathetic activities and your body is just by nature comfortable and you create a routine to that, you know, it's pretty easy to grow and be healthy. You know, the only population we really do that with are babies. And then we're just like, screw it. doesn't exist anymore. Like newborn babies up to a year. We like feed them regularly. We give them lots of hugs. And like, we're always holding them, trying to make them laugh all the time, giving them naps and like holding a steady bedtime. Having them in the most warm, soothing environment possible. So good. Yeah. yeah. And then we know like they're so healthy and look at, they grow so well and look, they're happy all the time. And then by and two then years after, old, you're on your own, right? <laughs> Screw you guys. Like do whatever you want to do. And then as soon as like, as soon as you're able, it's just human nature. As soon as your little hands can go pick up like an Oreo and stuff it in your mouth, like people would never give their newborn an Oreo. I mean, most of them, like we understand these things. And again, it's just like, I guess that's the harsh cruel reality but like treating yourself like that and having like being nurturing to yourself and your body and allowing it to like not have to be in survival states most of the time there's always going to be times but like just generally shouldn't have to pay for routine right like you also shouldn't like be that guy that goes to bed at 8 p.m and screws your family over at family dinner like there's ways to do all these things that your body is just more relaxed, right? It kind of knows what you're going to do. And, you know, psychologically, you're comfortable with the situations you're in, right? That's all it ends up being. Like, it's all perception at that standpoint. I have seen little kids in Iraq, like with bombs going off, kicking a soccer ball around. Like, they're comfortable with that situation. I don't know how, but... Like, I know that that's perception. So it's like you said, like, you have to feel loved. You feel loved. You have to feel comfortable. Doesn't mean you aren't loved. It doesn't mean you aren't comfortable because a lot of people will be like, nobody loves me. It's like, screw you. You're in a rehab facility with everybody around you, right? Like, nobody wants to do this on a Wednesday afternoon. So it's like always tough because, again, chopping that head off, it works perfectly. But once you go ahead and screw that top one, yeah, it's a yard show, that yard sale, that nervous system. So tracking it is probably more stressful, you know, than unless like people, people that track things, like get competitive with it instead of watching it. It's almost like they uh, screw their nervous system up more by saying, oh, 
uh, today I'm not ready to go. And it's like, man, that little ring told you that. Like, you can change this day. But it's hard because humans with information look at it as grading, right? Just like mm -hmm. that blood work. Being that assessed. You're perfect. Yeah. That yeah. blood work that said you're great. You're like, oh, great. Okay. So I can still eat, you know, five Whoppers for $5. I'm great. I'm good. So it's always hard because we only, like you said, with the genetics, we only hear what we want to hear. Mm -hmm. And so we don't really track it and try to make an improvement. Yeah. We just want permission to do something, right? That's all we need. Generally Somebody speaking. Say, generally speaking. Yeah. 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 Generally speaking. Yeah. There are <laughs> those people who it will become, you know, points of information. And, you know, I've had a lot of clients with I, one of the areas that I work a lot in is chronic fatigue syndrome. And some yeah. of the trackers are really helpful for them because they have a false sense of energy. They're like, my body's still upright and I can go to work and I can drive myself. And they don't realize how they, they don't have the, it's a lot of disassociation. So they haven't actually connected how they're feeling with what's happening they in their life. The so we start putting that feedback in and in, in a starting point for the feedback is like, I mean, I had one client where she was going to bed eight hours a night, but her nervous system was getting like three hours of sleep a night. And we didn't, That's you know, it. it got uncovered. And then now she doesn't even need to wear a tracker anymore because she can feel it. She knows the feedback. Yeah. yeah. Like I love data. Yeah. Like I'm an early adopter and extensive, but data, like if you don't change the data, right. Right. Stop tracking it. Yes. Because it's just going to. Like, yeah, say, exactly. That's a good way of putting it. Still crappy. Like the data is there for you to look at it. Not like it's a score, but it's supposed to be a plan. And again, yeah. the first test isn't important. The second test is. So you should look at that and say, okay, I'm just going to do something different. I don't give two craps what it is. I'm not saying adopt every single healthy lifestyle. I'm saying go for a walk for two seconds. See what it does with the data. If it, mm -hmm. it can stress you out more because some people are like, geez, I don't have two minutes. They don't, right? Yeah. Then just sit there and close your eyes for two minutes. Like it's not all about like the data is designed to tell you and everybody's individual, right? What puts your nervous system in a more relaxed state? I don't care what it is. I don't think it has to be a million healthy things. I think sometimes not doing the things you're doing now for a little while will put it in a better state. I don't think it's adding 50 more things. And again, I think in this health longevity, all it is is addition, right? Take this, do this, buy this. It's never like, why don't you not do this? Don't take that and like go for a walk. Stop buying things, right? When is that? And see if that puts you in a more comfortable state. And I think that's like the lesson we're going to learn again is that the people that didn't want to eat gluten just didn't feel good eating gluten. There was no like problem. Like we didn't have to make a big deal out of it. They just understood before that I, when I ate this, I didn't feel good. And then the industry said, we're going to make some alternatives. And I think for people, like we're just built into this, I've got to accumulate and do things to be healthy. And yeah. again, those blue zone people are two middle fingers up saying, we don't do that, right? Like we actually avoid that. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we live a long time. And I think we're just coming into the happy marriage of both of those two things. Yeah, bringing it together. Well, this has been power packed. Thank you so much, <laughs> Dr. Drobot. There's a tons of information. I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your expertise with us and, uh, you know, getting another cut at health and well-being. 
That's it. I'm about to go do some blood cleansing. So I'll drop you off here and um, focus on myself, right? That's what, that's what I'm doing today. Practicing what you stuff. preach. That's awesome. Okay. Until we get to Once do it in again. A while. Okay. Awesome. Bye, Thank you. Thank you to today's guest, Dr. Jeff Drobot, for clarity and dedication. For all the resources for today's show, visit sarahmarshallnd.com slash podcast. Special thanks to our music composer, Roddy Nickpour, and our editor, Kendra Vicken. And as always, thank you for being here. We'll see you next time.